Hello to all my Facebook friends. It is Tuesday afternoon, 3 p.m. Central Daylight Time, and don't get me started on that one. Uh, but we are here. I hope you are as well. I know that we'll have several joining us. Uh, the clock on this particular laptop says 2.01, and so I'll be moving, changing that one before too long. Uh, but I do believe it is actually 3 o'clock, a little bit after. And so that means it's time for our wonderful uh, Colossians study. I hope you have been enjoying this. I hope you have appreciated it and uh, looking forward to being able to share a little bit as we go further down uh, the chapter in Colossians chapter two, uh, chapter three. Um, this chapter begins with uh, a great note of seeking things that are above, seeking things that are eternal, seeking things, setting our hearts and minds on things that are uh, uh, of God. And, um, uh, and that's a great general statement. And then he goes through, as you know, several uh, thou shalt nots and thou shalts uh, and lists some pretty specific things. And then uh, that summary statement, that great summary statement in Colossians 3.17 that we'll look at again in uh, just a moment. Um, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so what does that tell you, Bill? Well, that tells us that everything we say and everything we do is done and said to honor God. That includes our family relationships. And it's interesting that scripture speaks to that specifically in the first century as the writers of the New Testament write to uh, church members of the first century who were husbands and wives, parents and children, and who had jobs and who were active in their community and who were living in a secular society. So scripture doesn't avoid those subjects. It doesn't pretend that there's no conflict there. It doesn't pretend that there's not any issue there. But it simply uh, says, look, this is, um, this is a real thing. And these relationships are impacted by my faith in Christ. So because of that, uh, because of that, there is something to say uh, from God about how we do those things. So I hope and pray that you will be joining in, listening in. Uh, I would love to hear some feedback and input on all of these. Uh, but we'll be looking, first of all, at um, the, these two verses in Colossians 3, verses 18 and 19, that speak specifically uh, to husbands and wives. And it probably wasn't any more popular of a message in the first century uh, church at Colossae in the western part of modern-day Turkey uh, than it is in 21st century America. Uh, but it's something that's very, very significant and very, very important. So again, hello to all of you that are joining in and watching in. My dear friend and sister, uh, Bobby Fuquay, joining in from that wonderful Lackland Terrace Church in San Antonio. Uh, welcome, dear sister and friend. Um, and so while much of our attention on the family has been speaking out against the disrespect of the sanctity of marriage in our society, Scripture reminds us to examine our own families. I, I think it's important for the church, for preachers like Bill and others, to speak a word from the Lord about the sanctity of marriage. And marriage, of course, the family, uh, the husband-wife relationship, the parent-child relationship, 
all of those and so many others are under attack in a world that is uh, uh, essentially set on um, fulfilling whatever it wants to fulfill and not looking to God necessarily for guidance and for help and for instruction about how to do things. Of course, there are a lot of exceptions to that, and we are grateful uh, for that. But uh, we realize that the world is always going to be the world. And so as the world tries to tear down the structure of marriage and the sanctity of marriage and uh, the, uh, uh, the, the fact that God created us in his own image and he created us male and female and he created us uh, and, and established the institution of marriage to be between one man and one woman uh, with a lifetime commitment. We, we recognize that that's not, not how our society uh, views those things, especially today in our 21st century American culture, our 2021 American culture. But it wasn't that way in the first century either. They, they didn't accept those things. Uh, you read history and you realize that in most every generation, uh, those things were not uh, very popularly held views. We, we find that the church and the people of God in the Old Testament were always a bit um, countercultural, if you will. When you read through the Sermon on the Mount, you recognize that Jesus is calling us to be countercultural because when he says to love your enemies and to pray for those who harm you uh, in a genuine, caring, considerate, respectful way, that is, that is countercultural. That is not the way our world uh, sees things. And so today and Thursday, as we look at this great passage about uh, what it means to be husbands and wives today, and if we get far enough, then what it means to be parents and children and what it means to be families with the uh, imprint of Jesus Christ on us. That's that's going to be our subject and topic uh, this week. And so, uh, again, we, we do recognize that we want to speak out about the sanctity of marriage, but I think sometimes the message that gets lost in that is that we need to be talking to ourselves here. Uh, yes, you may believe that marriage is to be between a husband and wife with a lifetime commitment, and, and so you are willing to um, uh, go to battle uh, to uh, persuade our society and our culture that that is God's will, and I appreciate that. I'm willing to do the same and do the same. But at the same time, the question is, how faithful are you as a husband or wife? How faithful are you as a parent or a child, um, a sibling, a worker? We're going to talk to workers in the next paragraph after we get through uh, these verses in verses 18 through 21. It's pretty easy for us to talk about the sanctity of marriage when we're against same-sex marriage, and we think the Bible is pretty clear on that, and both of those describe me and my belief. I do believe uh, that same-sex marriage and, and uh, that sexual activity between members of the same sex is a sin. It's clearly laid out in the Old Testament, in the Gospels, in Jesus' words in the New Testament, um, uh, that, uh, that that is sinful in the eyes of God. That's called homosexuality, and it's condemned everywhere in Scripture, never justified. Um, and, and, I, and so I, I think it's okay for us to, to say that. We do that with love and respect and consideration, but that is just the clear teaching of Scripture, no matter what our society and our current culture tries to tell us. But if that's where we stop, that's not enough. That's not enough, because Scripture doesn't stop there. 
Scripture tells us that we should be faithful as husbands and wives, that we should be faithful parents to our children, that we should be faithful children in the household and in our relationships. Uh, sometimes we emphasize the other so strongly that we, we lose sight of this one. And I think one of the reasons why we have less credibility when we go before our culture to talk about how um, marriage is to be between a man and a woman with a lifetime commitment. I think the reason we have lost credibility to, to make that claim is because so many God-loving, Bible-believing, church-attending uh, couples and families have been broken because of sin and sin on the part of us Christians. And that and that doesn't change what God's will says. God's will is still true and faithful. But it, it does affect how our voice can be heard in our culture. So let's take uh, some minutes today and Thursday to talk about Christian homes, to talk about a word for today's families, a word for today's husbands and wives uh, today. And I think the place to begin is with the general teaching that we've just read over the past few weeks. And that's in Colossians 3 verses 1 through 17. That's starting with those verses in Colossians 3, verse 1, that says, set your minds and your heart on things above, on things that are eternal, on things that are spiritual, on things that are biblical, things that are of God. Uh, when I think that communicates something about how we are to treat each other as husbands and wives. If our hearts and our minds are set on the spiritual, eternal things of God and not on the things of this world, then we will be less selfish and more loving and more considerate and more compassionate, yes, even towards our husband or wife. I think that's true. Um, we see other general teachings as we go down this list uh, in Colossians 3. Some of the things that we looked at last week, starting in verse 12 of Colossians 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And you say, Bill, that's that comes before the passage to husbands and wives. Well, then, no, no, it it's written there for everybody, including husbands and wives. And, and how we treat our spouse it certainly should be impacted and informed by those verses to act in love, to act with kindness and compassion and consideration and respect. Um, we don't get to check that off uh, when we walk through our door and at home and, and treat each other horribly and rudely and, and be inconsiderate and be selfish, all of those things. That's, that's not the teaching of Scripture, and that's not how God intended us uh, to be. I believe that we are to uh, reach out to each other and within our families, first of all, with the same kind of love and compassion and respect and consideration and unselfishness that Jesus calls us to live with all the time. Um, and then that great verse, as I mentioned, Colossians 3, verse 17, one of those great summary statements that, uh, that everything we say and everything that we do, we are to do to honor Jesus Christ, uh, and that we do those things with gratitude in our hearts to God uh, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, that includes how we treat each other as husbands and wives. That includes how we treat our children. That includes how we treat our parents, how we treat our siblings. It doesn't change simply because 
um, that's a passage that's not directly applied to the family. It, it, it directly applies to all of our lives, including the family. And so we don't treat our family members in our homes uh, with less grace and less respect and less love than we do everybody else. When Jesus talked about the golden rule, uh, treat others the way you would like to be treated, that applies to how we treat our spouse as well. Uh, when Jesus said the second great commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself, sometimes your spouse is your neighbor. Your husband is your neighbor. Your wife is your neighbor. Are you fulfilling that command around them? Your children, uh, your parents, your siblings, uh, other family members, we we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that first neighbor, the one who's closest to us, is our own immediate family. I get that we, one of the great blessings of being in an intimate relationship is that you are able to kind of let your hair down a little bit and to, and to not feel like you have to walk on eggshells around each other. But that doesn't give us permission to treat each other in unloving ways, uh, to speak to each other in inconsiderate and disrespectful ways. Uh, we are to uh, we are to love them the way Christ has loved us, uh, and so we start with the general teaching of Scripture. But then Scripture gives us more specific teaching on the family here in this passage, as well as in other passages. And so let me read Colossians three, uh, beginning at verse um, eighteen. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Well, I told you that the, those the passages we're looking at here in Colossians 3 aren't very popular in our day and time. And, and if you read them the way many in our society and our culture read them, then of course that's true. But that's, I don't believe that's how Jesus intended those words to be written by his apostle, the Apostle Paul. And I believe that those things are still valid uh, for us today. I think we have to be careful how we apply them. And there are some other things that need to be said, and I'll say them. Um, but I think that they're still very appropriate. A couple of other scriptures that we will look at as we consider these things uh, this week is uh, Ephesians 5, verses 21 through chapter 6, verse 4 which is a little bit longer version of what Paul says here. And then also 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Peter's uh, version and paragraph on the family doesn't get quite as much press as Paul does, especially in Ephesians 5, um, but it's there. And he says much the same things. And so I want us to be able to look at those things um, today and, uh, and possibly some on Thursday as well. So let's talk about this specific teaching on the family that Paul gives. First of all, uh, the direct message that he gives uh, to wives and to husbands. I do believe it's important to look at verses 18 and 19 um, together because I think that's how they're meant uh, to be shared. Wives are told to submit to their husbands, to respect their husbands. And husbands are told to love their wives. Um, and so Colossians 3, verses 18 and 19. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. 
Well, we turn back to that passage in Ephesians chapter 5 and read. let's read that longer version of these uh, statements in, in Ephesians 5 beginning in verse 21. And I do believe that this passage begins in verse 21. We could begin the passage on husbands and wives and parents and children um, in Colossians 3 and in verse 17 that says everything you say and everything you do, do that and say that to honor God. Uh, to as an act of worship before Jesus Christ. Uh, and I think that would be very appropriate for us to do. In the same way, I think this passage on husbands and wives starts not in verse 22, but in verse 21 of Ephesians 5. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, verse 25, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, verse 31, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So it's based in that first teaching in the book of Genesis, the institution of marriage. Verse 32, this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Well, there's a clear call there that is interestingly seen to have a much longer paragraph for husbands than it does for wives. In Colossians 3, they're pretty similar, but in Ephesians 5, uh, the command and the teaching to husbands is is far longer than it is to wives. I'm not sure what that means. Probably that men are a little bit thicker to understand things than women. But I want us to, to take a look at this. And I do want us, before we go on, to take a look at another passage that speaks to these things. And again, as I said, this is from the Apostle Peter. We forget this verse. We forget this passage sometimes. But Peter has his own version of what Paul shares here and uh, bases it, of course, on the teaching that he heard from Jesus, which the apostles had a really hard time with as he talked about uh, the sanctity of marriage in uh, the Gospels, uh, Matthew 5, Matthew 19, Mark 10, other places. But this is what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, 
who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Verse 7 of 1 Peter 3, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Well, when you compare Ephesians and Colossians, they're pretty similar. When you compare those two with 1 Peter 3, it's a little bit different. And I think it's because of the difference in audience. Peter was writing to people in uh, the northern part of, of modern day Turkey, likely that same, perhaps the same area as the Galatians uh, uh, letters. The Galatian letter was written and the Galatian Christians lived. But it was a, it was a people, as he identifies throughout 1 Peter, who were exiles. I mean, they had fled Palestine because of persecution. And now they were in a place that was not their own. They were around a culture that was not sympathetic to their cause. They spoke a different language. They worshiped different gods. They had different values. They, they were the bottom of the social scale. And yet, and yet, Peter says, your life is to be your witness. Let them see your good deeds, just as Jesus told them. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, that's a very important statement as he talks uh, to the believers uh, that people will see their good deeds and they will glorify God on the day that he visits us. They will, they will reach out to you and to your God because of how they see you living your life. Well, 1 Peter 3 is a great example of that as he talks to Christian wives saying, let's start with your husband who may not be a Christian. How are you going to reach him? Well, you might be able to have a Bible study with him and he might be open to that, but he might not be. And very likely, even if he is, what is going to have the most impact on him or on the wife, if the husband is the Christian, is your faithfulness in your marriage. You're being the ideal husband, you being the ideal wife. And when they see that in you, then they may be one to Christ, as he says, without a word. Uh, because as he's going to say later on in 1 Peter 3, that uh, in verses 15 and 16, he says, look, when people ask, when they see you living with hope, they will ask, why do you live that way? And that's when he says, you be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks why you have such hope. And you base that answer on Jesus Christ. Well, in the same way, wives are told to live faithfully. I don't believe that this means wives aren't, women aren't allowed to wear makeup. I don't think that's what it's saying at all. I don't think that this says that women have to call their husbands Lord or have to walk three steps behind them. Those are all social, cultural things. Uh, that we saw in biblical times, and that's not the case now. It doesn't mean that you're a prostitute if you wear makeup. It doesn't mean that you're rebellious and, and not submissive to your husband if you wear nice clothes. It doesn't mean those things at all. But I, but I think it's important for all of us, husbands and wives, to ask ourselves, do, what, do all of those things inform people around me who may or may not know me that I love my wife, that I love my husband, uh, that I am, uh, I am respectful and considerate and I put them first in my life. Uh, all of those things should communicate that. And I think that's what Peter is especially trying to say. And then in that, that last verse, uh, verse 8, he said, or verse 7 rather, he said, um, in the same way, you know, all of these things he says to wives. And then he says in, in a very similar way, just as we all submit to that chief shepherd, uh, in the verses that preceded this at the end of chapter two, uh, he says, we submit to each other 
And again, that that passage in Ephesians 5 that starts, I think, with that statement in verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Uh, That's how we're all called uh, to live. Now, I do want us to make very, very clear this important statement. This does not give husbands permission to be abusive to their wives or their children. Uh, And there is no justification for that. There is no no justification for abuse. Unfortunately, in my work with women's shelters in Arlington and, and in Tarrant County, Texas, we we heard this a lot from wonderful, faithful, godly women who believed the Bible so strongly and their husbands were controllers and manipulators and selfish, um, horrible men who would take the Bible and point to it and say, see here, you have to forgive me. You have to submit to me. You have to come back home to me, even though I have beaten you and sought to destroy your life. Well, he's wrong. That is not true. That is just not true. And that's not anywhere like what these passages say, because again, these passages speak to wives and to husbands. And in that great passage in Ephesians 5, it goes into great detail telling husbands that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's how a husband is to love his wife. And I am convinced, and we'll say more about this perhaps on Thursday, looks like we'll be doing this a two-part lesson. I do believe that if husbands are willing to love their wives the way Christ loved the church, that it will be a far better environment in that home for each of them, husband and wife. Uh, to fulfill the the path that God has them on in that family. Um, I do I, I do believe that. And so again, let it be clearly said, I'll repeat it again, there is no justification for abuse, either physical, emotional, or sexual abuse, no justification whatsoever. And if you're in that situation and you're a godly woman and you're trying to do what's right, get out, get help, find someone that you can trust. Find a shelter close by. Uh, Talk to someone that you trust that will help you, that will not make your situation worse by saying God wants you to stay there. I do believe there are times when God wants us to work through stuff, but I don't believe that that means putting your life in danger because of an abusive husband. I 100% disagree with that. And so I hope that you'll reach out and find help uh, when that help is needed. Wives are told to submit to or respect their husbands. Husbands are told to love their wives. Uh, It starts with the husband loving his wife, just as the healthy relationship between Christ and the church starts with Christ loving his bride and giving himself up for her. That's the clear message in Ephesians chapter 5. That's the clear message in 1 Peter chapters 2 and 3. It is vital that the husband love his wife in such a way that she feels that you love her. And it is vital that the wife respect her husband in such a way that he feels you respect him. I realize feelings can be awkward and difficult and are hard to judge um, and hard to control. But we can do our part to help make that happen. And I really do believe that that's where this is coming from. And we'll talk more about this on Thursday. I hope you'll join in again. But I, I do believe that there are a couple of authors that I've mentioned. Emerson Egricks, uh, who wrote the great little book, Love and Respect, and also Shanti Fieldhahn, F-E-L-D-H-A-H-N, 
uh, who has written some wonderful books that relate some research that she has done uh, related to these exact statements. Uh, I love the way Emerson Egricks approaches it in his book, Love and Respect, because he uses these passages as his core passages. And I believe that, that he is exactly right when he says that the reason why the Holy Spirit tells husbands to love their wives is because husbands have a harder time with that. And, and it means so much to wives. And the, same, the opposite, the other side is also true. The reason why uh, the Holy Spirit uh, commands wives to be submissive and respectful to their husbands is because they have a hard time with that. And it is so important uh, to men. It is so important uh, to husbands. And so I do want to talk a little bit more about that, but I'll give you a little bit of a teaser, a little bit of a hook maybe to get you interested in uh, joining in with us on Thursday afternoon. Uh, I, I mentioned that Shanti Field Han has written uh, some books and has done a lot of research. And part of her research says, if you had to choose, would you rather feel alone and unloved in the world or would you rather feel inadequate and disrespected? by everyone. So again, in her research, she's asking men, would you rather feel unloved or would you rather feel disrespected? And of course, women hear that question and they say, that's a no brainer. There's no way I would want to feel unloved. I would much rather feel disrespected. Well, 74% of the men in, in Shanti Feldhahn's survey, three out of four said they would choose to feel unloved rather than disrespected. This, is a, this research is found in her book entitled For Women Only, What You Need to Know About the Inner Lives of Men. And she bases this on research, uh, very clear research. And again, it helps us understand why Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3 and 1 Peter 3 say what they say, because God knew this already. And he knew how important it was for men to feel respected and how important it was for women to feel loved. Uh, sometimes we men are oblivious and we say, well, of course I love her. Uh, and maybe you tell her that, maybe you don't, but do you show her that? Do you demonstrate that to her? Um, and I realize that uh, uh, men and women both can be very insecure at times. And sometimes no matter what you might do, that man still might not feel respected. And no matter what you might do, husbands, that, that wife of yours may still not feel loved. But we I love what Tom Milholland from Abilene Christian used to say, all you can do is all you can do. And that's true. But you can do that. You can do that. You can help your husband feel respected in some very practical ways that encourage him and, and uh, give him the affirmation that he needs to feel respected. And husbands, we can help our wife to feel loved because of the way that we demonstrate that love and, and show those things in ways that are important to her. Uh, Gary Chapman's wonderful book, The Five Love Languages, figure out how to demonstrate and show that to your wife and, and then do that based on the things that are important to her and the language, the love language uh, that she speaks. Again, this last quote, uh, Shanti shared another result of her survey. She reports more than 80% of men, four out of five, said that in a conflict, they were likely to feel disrespected. Whereas, as she puts it, we girls are far more likely to be wailing, what, ladies? He doesn't love me. In a conflict, 
Wives will think he doesn't love me. In a conflict, husbands will think she doesn't respect me. Well, I, I think that's a good place for us to leave it today and hear that call from Colossians 3 and Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3. Uh, for wives to submit to their husbands and be respectful. Help them to know that they are and for husbands to love our wives the way Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Uh, we'll share a little bit more about this on Thursday and close up this part of our lesson. And, um, and perhaps we'll have a little bit of time to talk about uh, parents and children in the next two verses in this passage. I pray for our families. I pray that if you're suffering and if you're struggling, that you'll get help. You can't solve every problem in a 30-minute Bible study, and I understand that. And though this may sound very simplistic, and I apologize that it does, the problems that we're talking about this week are far, far more serious, and I get that. And so I hope and pray that you'll reach out and get the help that you need. Uh, and I and sometimes that means professional help from a, 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 a trusted counselor or therapist. I encourage you to do exactly that. Uh, hope and pray that your love and your light will continue uh, to shine. And I look forward to being able to chat with you more about a word for today's families, husbands and wives, parents and children, this coming Thursday. God bless.